Welcome to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast series. My name is Josephine Monberg, and I am your host. You are now listening to the COVID-19 special edition of our show. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of our podcast. We are taking a closer look at different industries and how they are being impacted by our current global pandemic, COVID-19. And today we are taking a closer look at the mining industry. And to do this, I am joined by two guests, both in their uh, virtual home studios, Anton Kroger, who's in Australia, and Shabir Ahmed, who's in South Africa. And they're both mining industry experts from uh, SAP. So super excited to have you both in the studio. So before we get started and talk more about mining specifically and COVID-19, maybe starting with you, Anton, what is your role at SAP? What do you typically do? So I describe myself as the uh, the translator between what technology offers and, and I guess what business needs. So, so I've come out of the business world, um, but sometimes translating into technology is challenging and that's really part of my role. So I, I look after all natural resources uh, in, in Australia. So I describe that as anything that comes out of the ground, apart from potatoes and asparagus. <laughs> Thank you. And over to you, Shabir. What is your role? I'm assuming it might be similar to Anton's. Yes, it's uh, it's very much similar. Also focusing on the on the same in- industries, extractive industries, if you want to call it uh, call it that. But uh, um, similar to what Anton uh, has just said, uh, he's trying to bridge the gap between uh, business and technology. And Shabir, you are in South Africa. What's it like being? trapped in your home in, in South Africa? Yeah, we've been uh, un, uh, you know, under lockdown for uh, several weeks now, initially a 21-day lockdown. It's been extended until the end of, um, at least until the 1st of May. So it, it has been difficult. Um, you know, we uh, are generally, um, you know, very used to visiting customers and getting in front of customers, but not being able to do that does pose, uh, you know, a challenge. But we we are trying to cope uh, as best we can under the circumstances. I think the priority is to to save lives and, uh, you know, to uh, try and contain the pandemic as much as we can. And Anton, you are in Australia. What's the situation like there, um, you know, dealing with COVID-19? Yeah, thanks, Josephine. I think I think we've been very fortunate in Australia in that um, we reacted fairly quickly. Uh, certainly in Western Australia, they closed the borders fairly early on, uh, and a lot of changes were put in place. Um, so I think that has really limited the impact. So while we are still, I guess, practicing social distance, we're certainly not as constrained as, as other countries like South Africa. Uh, we can still get out, go to the beach, and do some of the things that we enjoy. Uh, and certainly from a mining perspective, that, that has had some impact, although it, it has not stopped operations. So the message we're getting from the industry is that we're still very much open for business in Australia, uh, mm. which is, is quite different to the situation in other countries. Yeah, and that's and you hit on a key point there because we do want to talk about the impact that 
we're seeing on money right now. And of course, you're going to be able to provide different perspectives in terms of where you are located. But if we look at it from maybe a global perspective to start with, what's the impact that you're seeing on mining right now, maybe starting with you, Anton? So I think mining, if you look across all the major commodities, um, generally speaking, mining is okay. So there's certainly been a little bit of softening, uh, particularly the base metals. We've seen that come down 20, 30%. Uh, off the back of you know decline in global demand, but some of the, the heavier bulk commodities have generally held up fairly well. Iron ore is sort of holding up; uh, the price is still up there. It's not hasn't drastically declined. Coal come down a little bit, um, you know, especially on the um, the coking side where we sort of seen that decline just basically as a as a function of the slowdown in in uh, China. Um, but other commodities like gold, you know, they, they're on the up. So it sort of it depends a little bit on the commodity um, that we're talking about. Uh, so generally speaking, the industry is is seeing this as a sort of a short-term position, although I guess there is a big question mark as to, you know, how long the recovery will take in, in China and Asia, which is our major, major trading partner, and what that impact will then be depending on really how long it's going to take. So. Thank you for uh, providing that. Kind of global overview, Shabir. If we zoom in on South Africa specifically, what are you seeing in terms of the impact there? Yeah, so in South Africa, uh, again, we have um, certain commodities that have been uh, impacted, you know, much more than others. Um, these are primarily in the PGMs or the precious group, uh, uh, platinum group metals. You know, we have platinum, palladium, rhodium, those types of metals have been infected, uh, affected rather. In the earlier uh, days, you know, those, uh, the value of those uh, stock prices were eroded by as much as 30%. Uh, gold, uh, much the same as um, the global trend, uh, prices are still high. And I think those uh, companies, uh, you know, are more, you know, I would say prepared to, to withstand, you know, much longer period if it does go on to that. Yeah. Mm. And Anton, zooming in on Australia, what's going on specifically there? Yeah, so look, I think, um, you know, you've got to break it down into two perspectives. So there's there's very much the response phase, um, and I think we're probably to a large degree over the response phase. And if I look at what happened in the response phase, big changes in, in, in roster schedules. So, you know, we've gone from one on, two off to two, two on, two off type rosters. So essentially what a lot of the companies have tried to do is, is minimize the number of swings. So that's the, the rotations. Um, and that that's meant longer rosters. So a lot of those changes have happened. Um, the, the biggest challenge has been the, the fly in, fly out community um, because a lot of those people sort of live in, in different countries and obviously with border closures that become a challenge. So we are seeing um, a number of those rosters operating below full capacity. So that, that's probably been the major change um, where people have focused. Then obviously at the camps themselves, um, big changes in terms of just the, the canteen setup. You know, people not being able to eat at the same time, sort of being forced to go back to their, their their bunkers or their bungalows and eat in their room on their own. You know, so that those those changes have been put in place. Um, some of the sites that are less remote um, have also pushed a lot of the the COVID social distancing rules uh, with regular police inspections. So, so the compliance component has been a big focus. So, you know, some of the other types of activity, you know, big shift towards moving to work from home uh, for you know non 
I guess, direct labor type roles. Um, that's been a big challenge for a lot of companies because culturally this is just not something they're used to. Um, so a few of them have sort of really been scramble, scrambling to get laptops into, you know, the hands of employees that normally have desktops and then how do you take your home office home. So that, those have sort of been the big the big initial steps. There's sort of the emerging risk now in the conversation is shifting towards fatigue. There's a big consequence of changing a lot of that uh, work style behavior has meant that, you know, guys on longer rosters, you know, are remote for a lot longer periods of time and they don't have that social interaction. So that's starting to play on their minds. And likewise at home, people are generally finding working longer hours and still having to juggle kids at home and, and everything else. So, so fatigue is certainly the the topic at the moment that I think we're facing uh, within the industry. Mm. And Jabir, are you? Do you have any examples of any mining, any companies that are doing certain things to better cope and respond uh, to COVID? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, one of the things which uh, Anton has touched on um, already is ensuring that uh, the non-essential uh, staff work work from home. Firstly, uh, you know the priority is obviously to to try and limit the um, the spread of you know the virus in the workspace itself. So most of the mines are. Um, you know, focusing on on trying to you know limit the, the number of workers in very confined spaces. I mean, in mining, those spaces are generally packed. Um, they're not very conducive to uh, practicing social distancing uh, in general. A specific example I could quote is that um, you know when the miners do actually go down the underground miners in particular in the gold sector, they don't send down as many as they would be during a normal shift under normal circumstances. So they, they reduce that by a factor of at least uh, 50%. Um, so those are types of measures you know, that they are doing. I think also another one is that uh, the mines have, uh, they do have clinics uh, generally as part of the infrastructure. They have basically reconfigured and uh, you know set up those clinics to be able to cope with cases where they are reported uh, infections and so on. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about that actually, like more specifically some of the challenges and opportunities. If you could, I mean, you, I, you do advise, of course, mining companies. So what would you say that is the best strategy to, of course, respond, but also in a more long-term, um, you know, more long-term view to better come out of this crisis, what would you say to those mining companies, maybe starting off with you, Anton? Certainly in, in my part of the world, we haven't had a major outbreak in a mining camp yet. So there isn't really a precedent, certainly in Australia, that I'm aware of in terms of how you deal with it, contain it as quickly as possible, and then and then try and isolate it, minimize the impact that way. It, it is definitely a major risk um, that we are seeing. Um, what's also quite interesting, out the back of that conversation, we're starting to see the acceleration of a lot of business cases towards more automation. Um, so Australia, again, we're, we're quite lucky in the sense that we're very advanced in, in automation. So, you know, companies rely on the fact that you can drive a truck from 2,000 kilometers away um, as, a, as a big differentiator. But you know, in these times, you know, that, that becomes a bigger conversation around what else can we automate. So that then starts to spread that workforce out as well uh, and serves as another way to kind of isolate and, and contain. But yeah, it's, it's an emerging topic. Um, as I said, it's a challenge. We, we have seen some mine sites implementing um, you know, infrared scanners to try and detect uh, cases early. Um, so detection, I guess, is the other, the other piece. And then another th 
the other strategy we've seen the, the some of the companies implement is obviously big big focus on health um, so a lot of focus on getting hand sanitizer into those locations um, to the point where you know we've had a lot of discussions around shortages in those sorts of things um, and so that that actually becomes an interesting discussion because as you know most miners will look at critical spares being the bits of kit that are hard to find or have long lead times whereas that is now sort of shifting towards you know can i get enough hand sanitizer on site so so the definition of what's now critical spares is also changing, which is quite interesting. Shabir, anything from your perspective, maybe also specifically for South Africa? Um, what we are seeing is a focus on uh, uh, trying to leverage uh, any opportunities to, you know, to protect the workforce. We have seen apps uh, or applications uh, being deployed to enhance the process of contact tracing. Uh, and tracking the movement, you know, of people. One of the unique challenges we have in South Africa is that the mining uh, industry is largely dependent on uh, migrant workforce. Um, you know, our mine operations are spread across uh, neighboring countries such as uh, Lesotho uh, and Mozambique and even Zimbabwe. So, uh, uh, you know, we do have an influx and a flow of people across these borders. And that is a big concern um, for most of our mining bosses. Controlling, you know, the flow of these people across borders is, is, is quite a challenge. Trace uh, and track uh, the movement of these people. And then what we also see is um, drive towards automation, probably not as um, advanced as what we see in Western Australia. In some parts of Africa, we do have cases where mines are already leveraging, uh, you know, that uh, automation. We have cases in, in Mali, for example, in the Siyama mine, uh, and there we have, uh, you know, almost a fully automated uh, underground mine that basically automates all the processes from, you know, from uh, drilling and blasting and, and hauling and across the board. And uh, but we certainly, I mean, in, in my view, I would certainly see an uptake in, in those uh, types of technologies moving forward. But, you know, generally the uptake has been extremely slow uh, because of the poor economic climate that mines had to sustain over the last few years. So you do see that COVID-19 is accelerating digital um, transformation, and in this case, more specifically, um, automation. What I also am finding, uh, the mining companies, like other companies, um, you know, a, a little bit more cautious uh, in approaching uh, digital transformation, for example. But what they are doing is uh, kind of, uh, you know, taking a phased approach. So mm. they're looking at uh, the immediate priority, obviously, is to protect uh, the operations and the, the, the work staff. Um, so they're focusing digital transformation on, you know, uh, topics that will enhance protection. For example, uh, protection, uh, you know, against uh, cyber uh, cyber security. Uh, they could be vulnerable to cyber attacks in this in this period. Uh, also, uh, you know, reputation management. Minds act irresponsibly in this time, we could have severe uh, consequences for that. The next phase, which is to try to optimize, and that is where the big opportunity comes with automation. So we talk uh, about uh, technologies like uh, robotics process automation to automate and optimize, uh, you know, uh, some of the manual uh, types of processes are very common there. And then lastly, I think where the uh, the real uh, opportunity for transformation is coming, we see this is where the mines are really embracing full-scale digital uh, 
transformation. And this is where they start, uh, you know, reconfiguring their businesses to grow the business uh, moving forward. Mm. Anton, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, look, I think it's it's been very very exciting over here as well. One of the one of the things that a lot of my customers have talked about is the fact that they've actually used this as an opportunity to accelerate projects, and it's sort of highlighted how quickly things can get done when you need to get it done. Um, so you know, I got a small miner up in Queensland. You know, they developed a couple of apps within literally days that were deployed to to help you know push communication out. Um, They've been very active around re-engaging. So, you know, switching a lot of their messaging to SMS, for example. You know, those projects are just flying through. The laptops, one that I talked about, you know, sounds ridiculous, but, you know, these guys mobilize 143 laptops in under a week. Um, so that that is no small feat. We had another coal miner, you know, put in, in, in infrared sensors also within the matter, matter of days. So it's, it's, it's really, I think, for a lot of people highlighted just how quickly you can move in the tech space if you really want to. Um, and that's quite significant. Um, a couple of other miners, you know, they've started to use Qualtrics to 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 roll out, understand some of the fatigue issues, you know, and that's literally happening within the matter of hours. So, you know, within a matter of hours, you can have those those surveys set up, you can have the distribution channels in place, and get the get the information out, and start getting back some of those insights. So, so these guys are moving very very quickly in that space. Supply chain side, as I mentioned, you know, one of one of my customers has started to use the Ariba discovery tool to to look for spare parts and things that they they didn't realize they even needed so you know one of the interesting ones is as i mentioned the hand sanitizer has become a challenge but um they were able to buy hand sanitizer in bulk uh, but now the challenge is finding enough bottles put it in uh, so they can distribute it on site so so again using the tool uh to to find those sorts of things so it it's certainly where it's happening it's happening very very quickly and i think that surprised a lot of people and kind of really talks to what is possible in the tech space today yeah. And to talk a little bit more about how SAP is helping, because you've touched on Qualtrics now and Ariba. Also, we do offer the, these free solutions. So, Shabir, have you seen anything in terms of um, how SAP is helping your customers in, in South Africa? We have had um, uh, instances where our, uh, our customers, not only in mining, uh, you know, across other industries as well, have leveraged that uh, tapping into the network uh, because you know the supply chains have been disrupted. Um, so you know the primary objective there has been to try um, you know and uh, ensure that uh, they can source uh, you know the critical spares and uh, you know the critical materials that they need to keep those operations going. So other areas uh, that we have seen uh, as well, also in the area of Qualtrics, uh, so similar to what Anton, um, you know, has mentioned, we have had uh, some mines that have uh, taken taken opportunity of leveraging that capability as well. For any final remarks, maybe also looking far ahead, maybe even predicting uh, what's going to happen, do you have anything to say to, you know, if you could say anything to your mining customers, what they should be looking at in the very long term, uh, maybe starting with you, Anton. Yes, yeah, so I think one of the things I'll spend a lot of time doing is actually studying some of the previous recessions that we've gone through. And, you know, mining has the advantage that it's quite used to a cyclical business, so it kind of comes and goes. But certainly, if you, if you go back to the GFC and some of the previous recessions, and one thing that's come out of a lot of literature is the companies that made the investments and the right investments in technology have definitely come out way ahead so to the tune of you know 10 or 13 percent profit points over those that didn't and in fact those that didn't you know came out very very flat uh and a lot of them you know disappeared so 
So the big thing about major resets or recessions like this is it, it opens the door wide open to the new players coming into the industry. And I think for a lot of our miners, they, they need to look at that carefully um, and think about what the potential impact is. Um, so certainly, you know, it's exciting watching the conversation unfold. And, and we, as we sort of touched on, you know, supply chain is, is one of the emerging areas. But we had a very interesting conversation the other night talking about the, the threats uh, and challenges with returning to work, for example. So, you know, a lot of the miners now are interested in, in what does that look like? And what became apparent is that, you know, one of the miners said, well, actually, we're not returning to work. Um, so they are already starting to think about how do they use this change in culture and change of way of thinking to actually reset their business. Um, so their focus is, well, let's get people working from home. Um, they, they, they'll drive up in inherent productivity, but it also gives them a lot of flexibility because they don't have to be in remote towns. They could be anywhere. So then their, their ability to access talent all of a sudden exponentially grows. So. So there's some really progressive thinking that, you know, has the, the fundamentals to start disrupting the way people go about you know, hiring talent. Mm. So these are typical things that, you know, successful companies that have gone through sessions in the past are focused on. Um, you know, liquidity will become another issue. So really getting a good handle on where your costs are. Um, we see that as a, as a big focus area. How do we help customers get that visibility? And and really as a system of record, a lot of that information is sitting in there. Um, but, you know, part of what we do now is help them extract that so they can make some informed decision around where those costs are and where they're going to cut it. And then I think the mm. last big point that they need to focus on is the, the scenario planning component, which is really then starting to predict out you know, if we if we're talking about a short cycle, you know, there's a scenario. If, if this continues, there's another scenario. And so, obviously, yeah, tools yeah. like Analytics Cloud and uh, Integrated Business Planning are really the tools that then start to change the game in terms of how you model those scenarios, and 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 they will have different business outcomes. Um, Shabir, do you have anything to add to that? Maybe you could also provide a perspective from South Africa. So, what I think um, COVID-19 has done uh, is that it, it has really forced mining companies to actually rethink their strategies. You know, mining companies are not, you know, immune to volatile commodity cycles and so on, and they deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis. They're very mm. good at it. But they, they have not necessarily uh, been prepared to deal with COVID-19. Um, you know, it, it was as one... Um, you know, analysts uh, described it, uh, it is a black swan event. Companies, uh, you know, have been found scrambling um, to respond uh, to the crisis. So the first thing, uh, you know, I think moving forward um, is that uh, companies will put a lot more thought and effort into ensuring that it, they can sustain uh, crisis of, the, of this nature if it does come in the future. Um, you know, at uh, mining in Daba in uh, Johannesburg that was held in February, the, the CEO of Ivano Mining, you know, actually made a statement which uh, I think it scared a lot of uh, people that were there in the audience, but it was also kind of a wake-up call. You know, he said that, uh, you know, COVID-19 um, it, it will not be the last of, you know, uh, a virus or pandemic of this type. Um, and we need to be prepared for waves uh, and waves of more of these types of pandemics. So better preparedness uh, obviously leads to people, to uh, companies thinking about, you know, how they can do this scenario planning to become more predictable in how mm. they will respond. And that, uh, you know, implies using uh, the types of tools that we provide to do this um, uh, so that you can have a view 
of your entire operation, uh, you know, from exploration right across through to processing, to uh, logistics, transportation, and uh, sales and marketing, uh, so that you have your finger on the pulse, um, you know, per se. Uh, and then uh, the other area, obviously, is an area which miners have been focusing on for some time now, but they're just going to become more better at it and leveraging technology uh, to a greater extent. And that is to uh, ensure that um, they are in a, in, a, in a healthy financial position to be able to sustain that. Um, we have a large number of junior miners uh, in South Africa. Uh, and, uh, you know, they they were caught, um, you know, totally unprepared. In fact, we've had uh, already two of the first victims, uh, you know, have now to, had to file for bankruptcy um, because, you know, their balance sheets uh, were not in a, in a, in a very healthy position. So, the financial scenario planning, uh, ensuring that you can deleverage your balance sheet, making sure that you have adequate liquidity in place. Uh, and all of these, you know, require the types of technologies that we generally provide to, uh, you know, to, uh, to our minds. Mm. So I, those are the, you know, those are the key areas. And then, of course, uh, as I've said before, um, I think there's going to be uh, serious consideration being given into a, a greater level of automation. Mines have been generally very conservative here in South Africa to invest in those types of, uh, you know, uh, technologies and uh, initiatives. But uh, COVID-19, uh, you know, I would say is going to um, encourage uh, greater investment uh, into automation um uh digital transformation uh mm. so yep yeah so it's about being a business that can look ahead using technology to both automate but also to simulate scenarios to be prepared for a potential next crisis because i do think that is very possible Shabira and Anton, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of our podcast and making us a lot more smarter about what's going on in your industry. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to join you. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. Please subscribe to our channel, Industry Insights by SAP at OpenSAP, Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. To learn more about what SAP is doing to help you cope in COVID-19, you can go to sap.com about global health safety and find free access to select SAP software, tools to support your business, and much more. Stay safe, everyone.